is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic ministers today. And this is the Indiana Bible College Podcast. Welcome back, and we thank you, every parent, every pastor, for entrusting your young person to our preview weekend this past week. Thank you to every attendee. If you are in attendance, you heard this chapel message that you're about to catch now from our president and pastor, Reverend Joshua B. Carson, a message entitled, A Purchase from Prison. Let's get right to this incredible message. God bless. To our, to our absolutely amazing host of deans and professors that lead with such excellence and integrity under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, I honor you in the presence of the Lord today. Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 32, I think, is where we will launch this boat today. Jeremiah 32, verse 1 says, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the tenth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar for the then the king of Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem and Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the prison which was in the king of Judah's house for Zedekiah king of Judah had shut him up if someone's in prison there's a reason he was imprisoned in the court by Zedekiah for this reason Wherefore dost thou prophesy and say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall take it. And Zedekiah, king of Judah, shall not escape out of the hand of the Chaldeans, but shall surely be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon, and speak with him mouth to mouth, and his eyes shall behold his eyes, and he shall lead Zedekiah to Babylon. And there shall he be until I visit him, saith the Lord. Though ye fight with the Chaldeans, ye shall not prosper. Zedekiah said, I don't want you saying that. Basically, the king said, I don't want you preaching truth. And Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying. Now, it's important to note. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah even while he was imprisoned there in the court of the prison. It said, Behold, Hanamiel, the son of Shalem, thine uncle, shall come unto thee, saying, Buy thee my field that is in Anathoth, for the right of redemption is thine to buy it. Verse 9 says, So I bought the field of Hananel, my uncle's son, the next several verses tells you that he took the very clear approach. He was meticulous. Just because he was imprisoned, he did not shortcut any of the process so that there was complete legality in the purchase. And we don't really understand this. He has just spoken and declared and prophesied. In fact, we've been reading these prophecies for the last 30 chapters about destruction. And yet he's purchasing land. But he's purchasing this land at the instruction of the Lord. In verse 15, we see it. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. I'm not asking you just to buy it for now. I'm asking you to buy it for later. And I want to preach what I feel is the word of the Lord for this group and these previewers and even the current students that are here today, a purchase from prison, a purchase from prison. Would you pray with me? Lord, we love you and we are thankful for the opportunity to be in your house. I pray that you would help me. I, I need wisdom. I need to speak with clarity. I want there to be no confusion. I want your words to be readily available that I might be able to deliver your word. I need it to be humbly, but I need it to be confidently. I know that you have touched my heart with the words of the weeping prophet, and I pray that you would help me. 
speak into my life and through my life into these ears, minds, and hearts. Your word never returns void. It does good work. So help us to let your word do what it's intending to do here today. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And let everybody say amen. And you may be seated. I open this address by letting you know Jeremiah did have the call of God upon his life. It was God's call to Jeremiah. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to know the Lord has called you. When he calls you, you need to know that it is the call of God because that call will keep you when the words of your peers will not and when the evidences of the world will want to sway you or deter you, that call can and will keep you. The call of God, the clarion call of God, the evident call of God must be something so deeply lodging within your heart that the waywardness of the world cannot detour you, I say this again, from what you are called to do. Because if there is an inch given to the enemy, he will try to take a foot. And if there is a foot yielded, he will try to take a yard. And if a yard is surrendered, he will try to take a hundred of them. So on and so forth. And before you realize it, you will be in a job you do not have a burden for. Making money that has not and cannot fulfill you. Married to someone whose calling is different than yours. And whose ministry is non-existent. And you will think that your happiness could be purchased by allowing someone else to vicariously live through you. And so at the very beginning, the very start of these comments, I tell you from the platform of the weeping prophet that whether the people will listen to you or not, if you're called to be a minister for the kingdom of God, whether the people will turn their hearts or not, if you're called to be a minister for the kingdom of God, whether you will watch the downfall of idolatry or you will continue to see the debauchery of sin all around you, if you're called to be a minister for the kingdom of God, there is no higher calling in this world. Jeremiah was called to be a prophet, not for the ear itching ears of the kings. It is critical to note that he would watch kingships come and go, but his lordship would not waver. He would watch kingships change, but the lordship over his life would not change. And regardless of where you are, and regardless of who is a professor in your life, or a current voice of authority in your school, or at your college campus, or possibly there in your local city government, there is a calling that's above every human voice that has ever been given. The closest human voice you will ever hear is the voice of a pastor and that voice of a pastor I try to join with here today when I tell you whether current student or previewer the same there is nothing like surrendering to the call of God Jeremiah you are going to be a prophet in the introductory of this very book in the first chapter he says I am just a child I, I'm not worthy it's from this well that we dip the bucket in and we draw those famous words I, I, I knew you before you were formed in the womb and I sanctified thee he told Jeremiah I ordained thee to be 
a prophet. I had something planned for your life before you ever got to this place and regardless of what has happened in your life until now that could make you feel lesser about yourself in this moment of the call. It's important that you know who I call, I qualify, and I do not accidentally call anyone. I knew you before you took shape in the belly. I knew you before your parents knew you. I knew you before the world ever heard you coo your first sound. I knew you before your mother ever held you in her arms. I knew you. And I'm preaching to somebody in this room. You are not an accident. You have been divinely designed by God. He's known you since before you drew your first breath. I don't care whoever told you you were an accident or who has ever made you feel lesser. You have been called by God for such a time as this. We need you to accept who you are and the purpose that God has for your life. Yeah, but if you knew my family, I don't know your family, but I know your God. And if God has called you, God can use you. Yeah, but if you knew my city, I don't know your city, but I know the God of your city. I'm not sure what kind of sin is rampant in your high school. I'm not sure what kind of sin has been rampant in your in your family history. But I do know you're here because God has been calling. You better hear me. You're not here by accident. You're not here to play church for two days. You're here because there is an unequivocal call of God that is drawing on you, pulling on you, reaching for you. Jeremiah, don't worry about your qualifications. I've got qualifications for both of us. Jeremiah heeds the call and the word of the Lord and he has a tough road ahead of him. Brother Herbst, Jeremiah has a tough road ahead of him. He is going to be the voice that is contrary. He is going to be the voice Long before John the Baptist that is crying in the wilderness. He is going to speak things that kings of the earth would not like. We've seen some exterior change from the kingship of Hezekiah. And then we've watched the young child, Josiah, turn things to the heavenlies and begin to look to please God. Those shrines to Baal or Baal, whichever way you would say it, they have been torn down and taken. And There's been a turning. The problem is when the exterior is right and the heart isn't. You're usually not very far away from a creeping back in. Of idolatry. Sometimes we don't call it idolatry. It's just a little rebellion. Well rebellion is as the sin. Of witchcraft. And Jeremiah shows up at what seems to be the most recent good years. During the reign of Josiah. And yet his words are laced to heaven's heartbeat. And he speaks to the people about what's taking place inside and what is coming. And his prophecy is doom and gloom. And no one wants to hear it. Preacher! Preach us into dancing, but don't preach us into weeping. You preach convenience, but don't you preach conviction. I'm not sure if you found it to be the same. And if you know me, you know I like to dance and shout and run and all of those things. But the messages and the moments I seem to remember most are when I wept, not when I whirled. And Jeremiah, while it might...
might be unpopular. I need you to speak what thus saith the Lord. I need you to stand and to speak and to preach. If there is sin, we must turn from sin. Do you know that Jeremiah is the preacher that made the term backsliding famous? He preaches and teaches and writes backslider and backsliding more than any other author in the entirety of the text. The reason in the modern day church that some preacher grabs the microphone and speaks about backsliders returning is because the weeping prophet Jeremiah over and over and over again talked about a backslidden state. And I know that in our generation we can even utilize the word prodigal more than backslider. Because we think it's a little softer to hear and to receive. Today I'm not, I'm not after the backslider that's walked away from God. I'm not after you because you're a sinner. I'm not, I'm not after you. I'm not preaching this on behalf of the heartbeat of God because I think you have denounced him or you have walked away from him. I'm just preaching to anyone that has been in a slightly backslidden condition from the call of God that's on your life. Jeremiah, why are you weeping? The heartbeat of God and later revealed in Christ himself would be that same weeping spirit that as he stood there over Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft would I have gathered you as a hen gathers her chicks beneath her wings. I I want the people to want to live for me, but there is destruction. Jeremiah preaches destruction. And listen, people hate it. If you're the preacher that wants to be the preacher that everybody likes, I got bad news. Because if you're not true to your call, even if everybody else likes you, you won't like yourself. You are not being called, whether you are preaching from a pulpit with text, or whether you're preaching as a praise singer, or whether you're preaching at a Bible study across town at a coffee shop. You are not preaching to the opinions of people. You are not preaching to try to be relevant to a woke generation. You are not preaching in such a way that you are meant to tiptoe around the truth. You are not called to preach in a way where his oneness is never revealed. You are not called to preach in such a way that that repentance and baptism in Jesus' name by immersion... And the infilling of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking with other tongues. If you got to dance around that when you preach, you're not preaching at all. You are not preaching to please them. You are preaching to please him. Your call was not by them. Therefore, your call is not to. Come on, it's not to make them happy. It's to make them holy. To let them know there is one God. How many at Ivy still still believe there is one Lord? There is one faith. There is one baptism. There is one God and Father of all. Above all, through all, in you all. And so Jeremiah, it doesn't matter whether they like it or not. Just keep prophesying. Just keep preaching. Don't you dumb down your preaching. Don't you dumb down your prophesying. Don't you dumb down your witness. Don't make it weak. Come on, 2023. I'm preaching to some college students. You don't have to be lesser. You let God be God. And you be what God has called you to be. Don't you lay the truth of God's word on the altar of their ears. But it's a hard road. It's from this same book we draw this incredible story where he sees that wheel, that clay being marred. It's because of this story many of us have had altar call 
experiences through the years where we knew we were marred. We knew we were less, but thank God he gave us another chance. To some people I'm preaching to right now, the reason you feel marred is because you keep trying to be something you're not even called by him to be. You be who he is designing you. And if you've got a little stone or pebble in the clay that's been placed there by family hurt from five years ago or the divorce of seven years ago or the loss of ten years ago, then you've got to let him. Cannot I do with the house of Israel, Jeremiah? We see it. It's in this book. It's in this book that we get to a place in the 20th chapter. He does not. He does not even want to preach anymore. You ever been there? I have. Oh, you shouldn't say that. I've been preaching long enough, I can just say it publicly. Jeremiah's preaching everything he knows to preach. Directly from the mouth of God to the ears of the people. And yet, no matter what he preaches, it seems like no one is turning. And beyond that, it's, it's greater than just that. It's turning your, turning your Bibles, if you will, with me. I, I, wanna, I, w- I want you to. I want you to turn, turn backwards with me just a, a little bit. To verse, to chapter. Uh, Go to chapter 20, 27. In chapter 23, <laughs> let's do it. I, I don't want to skip. I, I don't want to take too long, but I, I want to I take time on this for a second. Chapter 20, when he wants to stop preaching. He said, I'm done. I'm tired of being mocked. You know what he said? He's he's in a low moment. Even preachers have low moments. If you don't think you're allowed to have low moments, he was ordained by God before he was formed, had a low moment, and his words, they mischaracterized God a little bit. Chapter 20, he said, you've deceived me. I'm done. I can't do this. I don't want to preach. I don't want to prophesy. They've mocked me. They ridiculed me. They scorned me. I'm done. But every time he sat down, he said, but it's like a fire. It's like a fire that shut up. And I don't care how many baseball practices you try to avoid your call with. And I don't care how many letters from how many colleges you get. I don't care if you think even if you get into Ivy League school, I don't care if you think you'll be on that campus doing everything you can to push the call of God away. And you'll wake up in the middle of the night, cool sweat, hearing that old resounding call of God. My prayer for you is the very heartbeat of Jeremiah in that chapter when he said, I wanted to stop, but it was like a fire. Like a fire that shut up in my mouth. I want preaching to be so unavoidable. I want the call to the mission field to be so unavoidable. I want the call to start that church to be so unavoidable. I want that call to music ministry to be so unavoidable. I want that call to be an apostolic author to be so unavoidable that there's no science or technology degree there's nothing else in the there's nothing I feel it now man if I could just get to that other campus I'll forget about it I'll forget about it I'll get busy and forget about it you can't get that busy somebody needs to hear me right now I'm trying to save the next 30 or 40 years of your life you can't get so busy 
that you can escape when it becomes like a fire. Yeah, but what if I preach and nobody comes to the altar? Ask Jeremiah. You just preach anyway. Yeah, but I'm, I'm called to preach. And Pastor Carson, what you don't know is even my family doesn't want to live for God. How am I supposed to be a preacher if even my family doesn't want to live for God? You preach anyway. You preach to those who hear and you preach to those who don't. You preach for those who turn and you preach for those who don't. You let God sort that out. You are not God, but you are called to be his voice. New boldness seems to come upon him in three chapters later. There in, in chapter 23 where I asked you to open up, you're going to see he begins to denounce and preach against false prophets because anytime there's true prophecy coming forward, there come these false prophets on the scene and they start preaching what makes everybody happy and what makes everybody feel good. Come to our church and you don't have to live up with any of this. Come to our place and you don't have to deal with this. You get all the way into chapter 28 and this is when we've got Hananiah, another false prophet. He spends the whole chapter 23 preaching against false prophets. But he, listen, sometimes you preach against false prophets. It doesn't make them disappear. Don't be deterred from doing what God has called you to do just because there are people that are naysayers in your life. Hananiah shows up and all that the king wants to hear is that things are going to be good and Babylon's not going to be able to win and not going to be able to have victory. And so Hananiah shows up as a false prophet and Jeremiah at this point, listen, Jeremiah is eccentric. He's a little dramatic even. He is illustratively carrying around a yoke. It's a day-to-day -day illustration. It was more than a good message illustration. It was a life illustration. And Hananiah, this false prophet, said, quit preaching conviction. Quit preaching doom and gloom. That's not what the king wants to hear. Yeah, but it's what the king wants. Who is your king? Who is our king? Is it the king of kings? Or is it you? Hananiah shows up. Bishop, he takes that wooden yoke off his shoulders and breaks it up in front of him. And a bunch of people sit around. <laughs> it's about time. It's about time. Goofy guy. He's always doom and gloom. Always prophesying. Why is he crying all the time? And the Lord speaks through Jeremiah and says, you've broken this yoke of wood, but I'm telling you, he's replaced it with a yoke of iron. It's upon you and upon the people. And while you just told the king that there would be freedom from Babylon in two years, Hananiah, you'll be dead within this one. And it happened just the way he said it would happen. Because one man was preaching to the opinion of men and one man was preaching the heartbeat of God. And any time you get the choice, you preach the heartbeat of God, not the opinions of men. And here we are in this place, and Jeremiah's job is not getting easier. 20, 23, 28. But it's here. It's in our opening, our opening text. I've cut out way too much and maybe talked too long at the same time, just trying to get here. He keeps, keeps telling the king, you're not making it out of this. You're, you're getting taken, Zedekiah, to Babylon. And every time he says it, the king is irritated. Why do you keep saying that? True. Stop saying it. And so Jeremiah is brought. He's placed into the court of the prison. He's kept away. And yet even in prison, the Lord is speaking. The Lord can speak to you regardless of your circumstance. 
Come on, stay with me. I'm going to land this plane in a few minutes. Don't miss this. I've said it all to get here. He knows where you're at. He knows where you're at. And in prison, he said, your cousin's on the way. Your cousin's on the way to sell you that land. And we watch a purchase from prison ensue over the next handful of verses where Jeremiah buys a piece of land. It it reminds us a little bit of the book of Ruth, this, this Redeemer part that's happening. It's this family redemption, but he goes through measuring it out correctly, paying correctly, getting the deed, and then the same one that talks about the potter and the wheel and the clay, he takes that deed and puts it into a pot. And he speaks from the heartbeat of God and says, there's coming a day when land and houses will be sold. Jeremiah, you're always negative. How can you possibly, in the circumstances that are surrounding us, not just where you're at in this prison, but even what's going on in our world and the Babylonians and the captivity and the, how can you possibly say that there is coming a day? I'll tell you how I can say it. The same way I could rise and speak against sin is the same way I can rise and speak to restoration. And we know that that is the story of this book, the up and down, the preaching against sin, the preaching to restoration, the preaching against sin, the preaching to restoration. It's the up and down, it's the up and down. And the Lord has dealt with me this week for this particular chapel. He asked me a question that bothered me so deeply in my living room and I I fell before him and tried to seek him and understand it when he asked me this question, where are today's weeping prophets? Because they're not on social media. They're not on TBS or whatever other. They're not somewhere preaching prosperity and selling their waters and their sprays. Where are the weeping prophets? That when they see the lost, they're less concerned with this excellence of their oratory and they're more concerned with the lost souls your call is not to be our most celebrated hero among us your call is to be God's man or God's woman your call is not to preach our camps and our conferences and if you get to do that great but that is cotton candy that tastes sweet and fades fast Your call is to look at humanity and fall before God and say, God, if there be any way. We cling to that Old Testament truth. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will heal them. Where are the weeping prophets? Let me ask you this. Where are the weeping musicians? I don't care how many fat notes you can hit. How many times are you touching heaven a week? Where are the weeping young preachers? I know you cry when you sin, but do you cry daily over the laws? Where are the weeping missionaries that know today, today somewhere a nation that is turned towards communism. There are people gathering in underground churches where they're secretly pulling out Bibles. And we got Bible apps that we won't read. We got Bibles collecting dust and we got YouTube channels that are We're good at whirling. We're not great at weeping. But God is calling for some weeping prophets, for some weeping preachers, for some weeping singers, for some weeping intercessors. Wait a minute. 
Help me understand this purchase from prison thing. Oh, you're not in a physical prison. But some of you have been living in the prison of your own shortcomings. Some of you have been living for several years. I feel it so strong. There's people in this room. Your parents let you come, but they're not letting you come here. It's already declared. You can go to preview, but don't you think you're actually going? Boy, I know where I'm at right now. Maybe, maybe you're like me. I stood in the room the other day in the office area, Brother Gallion, and we were talking about this. We were talking about this weekend, and I said, there might be a kid like me that shows up whose college is already paid for, who's got family dynamics that are too severe. I showed up to preview, but I wasn't coming to college. I was in a prison and didn't even label it a prison. Brother Brzezinski, I was in a prison to marketing. I was in a prison to making money. It was the same words I had uttered out loud to my youth pastor. I was in a prison of watching my dad hook up to a dialysis machine every single day, knowing that I had the call of God on my life. But I was in the prison that made me sit across him from him in that room and look at him and say, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I've got to make money. <laughs> How dare this college have invasion weekend, or whatever we called it then. I don't think we called it preview then. I remember wrestling some dude on the second floor. It was kill or be killed. <laughs> I remember walking into that chapel service back. Remember when it was in that middle? Remember walking out of this place with the call of God. Reaching. Reaching for me. Reaching. I remember that camp meeting right after I had been to Invasion Day where Norm Pasley preached that message. I wasn't going to tell this story today, but I can't help it. He drugged that trash can up and down those steps. said, I'm preaching taking out the trash. And I, I, I said, ah, I don't have trash in my life. I don't have sin. I thought he was preaching about sin, and I no longer thought those words. And he screamed, and he wasn't really a screamer. He screamed into the mic, I'm not preaching about sin. I went, whoop. He said, I'm preaching about all the trash between you and what you're called to do. I was in a prison. There are young ladies <laughs> under the sound of my voice right now. The prison that you're dealing with is that you don't really feel. You know you're called to be a missionary, but you don't feel qualified to be a missionary. Come on, where's the young man in this room that your family tree does not line up with being a preacher? You can be a scientist, you can be an engineer, you can be a welder, you can be in construction. And if that's what you're called to do, you put me on the record. If that's what you're called to do, then you do it as unto the Lord with all your heart. But your call to be in construction is not your call not to be a soul winner. But if you're called to be a preacher, The prison you're living in, I'm talking to some of you right now, the prison that you're living in is the opinions of other people. For some of you, the prison you're in is the relationship that you can't get out of because you cross lines and wish you hadn't and now you feel like... Boy, I'm there, right there. And it'd be better for you to make a break than ruin the next... need you to lift your hands. I'm trying to put the wheels down on this thing, trying to land this. From right where you're at, whether previewer or current student, from right, 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 right where you're at right now, 
whether you're in the court of the prison, whether you feel like you don't, you don't know how you can surrender to the call of God, your life has been mapped out. Some of you, your, your hands are lifted, but you're in the prison of finances right now. I'm telling you, I've been where you're at. I've been there when the money wasn't there, but God was. The question is, will you buy the land anyway? He purchased you with his blood. Do you think maybe you should buy a little investment into this? Proverbs 23 says, buy the truth, sell it not. I know you still got a varsity year of football left, but I'm asking you if that varsity year playing linebacker is actually, you know who you are when you play. Come on, I'm walking down the back alley of somebody's personal life right now. But you need to hear me right now. Nothing, including the prison you've been living in, should keep you from purchasing what your future is meant to be. Jeremiah, even if they're going to carry you away, even if they're going to mock you and laugh you to scorn, even, even if Zedekiah is going to get you into prison, I'm going to give you another chance to purchase for the future. The Lord sent me on a clear mission as I conclude here to tell you, many under the sound of my voice, He's giving you one more chance today to purchase for the future. You know He called you at camp seven years ago. You know last summer when you buried your face at Youth Congress and the Lord was speaking. Kept asking you the same question, will you do it? Will you go? Will you preach? Will you sing? Will you lead? And to all the people that where you're at, look at me before I'm done. To all the people that are where I was. Because I was the guy who wanted both. I will preach. But I'm going to do all this too. many of you in this room I don't know what your future holds but it may be very dependent upon what you do in the next couple minutes yeah but you don't have any idea what I've got to give up no but I can tell you 30 years 25 years removed what you're giving up if you don't say yes Have I had some hardship where the money was tight? Oh my goodness. Absolutely. Have I had some people that laughed in my face and walked out on? Absolutely. Have I had people that have mocked me and made fun of me? Have I had to deal with jealousy? Have I had to deal with? Absolutely. Every bit of it. And I wouldn't trade an ounce of it. I wouldn't cash in anything I've had for being in obedience to the will of God. I could take you back over the last 20 years to a string of Bible studies and baptisms and repentance prayers. I, I could take you back and forth to so many students that have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and I don't need all of them. I could take you to one story at a time and I could tell you everything was worth. And I can tell you stories of my peers who when they had the chance to buy the field, they didn't. And I can tell you stories of how they talked to me about midnights being haunted and 2 a.m.s waking up in a cold sweat. I can talk to you about them walking in the middle of their bank and all of a sudden something hitting them and them wishing they were preaching. I can tell you stories from people that walked away from God and walked away from their call. I had one girl tell me, we'd sit in the bottom of the basement at that party and we'd sit there with beer in front of us and all kinds of illicit drugs. It was crazy. She said, Josh, it was crazy. But we'd sit in that basement and somehow even there, the call of God. 
She said, you want to hear something twisted? We'd sit in the basement at those parties and we'd look around the room and we'd begin to talk to each other, her and her friend who had refused to purchase the field with her. She said, we'd look around the room and we would decide if we won them, what would they do for God? Because you may try not to give in to the call. But the call is going to keep haunting you. Keep calling you. Keep longing for you. I want you to stand with me. Lift your hands if you will. Uh, I want you with hands lifted. I want you to ask God one question. Am I pleasing you? Just ask him that question. We're all going to ask that on the platform, and I want you to ask that in the pew. God, am I pleasing you? Am I giving everything? Am I purchasing for the future? Am I still believing even in the midst of it all? His name is Arthur Cofield. You'll see his picture on the screen. <laughs> Arthur Cofield is the African-American gentleman there that you see on the right-hand side of that screen. He's famous... Because in 2020, from prison, just south of Atlanta, he pretended to be Sidney Kimmel, the guy on the left. Arthur was locked up in prison south of Atlanta for armed robbery nonetheless. But from prison with some outside help, he began to pretend to be Mr. Kimmel, who is a billionaire. And with one of the most sought-after things in prison, a burner phone, he made a string of convincing calls to Charles Schwab. And with some stolen documentation, including utility bills that he said would be sent by his agent, picture of his license who he said would be sent by his agent Arthur convinced Charles Schwab an extremely reputable company to purchase 11 million dollars worth of American Eagle gold coins and from prison <laughs> Arthur manufactured under the name of Mr. Kimmel, the purchase of the house that you'll see here, a $4.4 million estate. It's now begin to go to a little bit of ruin. He purchased it all from prison. But none of the investment was his. Now this federal crime's got him locked up for a long, long, long time. But I would tell you in my assessment, a crime greater than this is the thought that we can purchase this call upon our life with the prayers of someone else or the investment of another. I'm so thankful for what your father has done. You can't buy this call with his investment. I am the man I am, not just because of my parents, but because of my pastor, my sweet grandmother. But in all of their 
investing. I can't steal from what they've earned and somehow purchase this call. I had to learn how to get in an altar and say, not my will. I felt like Jeremiah. I'll be honest. I felt like Jeremiah. I felt too young. I reasoned with God. I'm from a welder's home. We're not preachers. I don't, my, my parents aren't pastors. I don't have the, but if he called you, he knows why he called you. He's got a work for you to do. You can't purchase this with your pastors. You need them, but you can't purchase it with their investment. Here's what I want. I want us in this room to maybe take an evaluation and allow God to take an introspection. We have a lot of regular students. I'm actually going to ask you not to come for a moment. I want to make this altar call specifically for previewers. You're at the crossroads of making a big decision. To some of you, it resonates way too well. The prison of others' opinions, the prison of even your own, the prison of family dynamics, the prison of social issues, the prison of college plans, it's all. But to any previewer in this room that would say, I know I'm the guest here. But he's been calling me. He's been working on me. And you'd say, I just want to step out of my seat. And I want to go to that altar and I want to let him know. I'm not telling you you're choosing IBC. I'm just telling you you're choosing him. I'm not saying come to the front if you're coming to come. I'm saying if you're going to purchase the field. If you're going to allow him to do the work in your life and you're going to work for him. Hands lifted. I know I preached too long. You might even want to kneel and pray. Sister Galleon, play and sing a little bit. Do what you do under the anointing here. We need to seek God for just a little while. Somebody needs to tell God again, I'll give up anything. I'll walk away from anything.